That was a good one. I don't know what we're going to do. Is my mic on? Yeah, just check. Are those hands? How are just, those the hands? hands are soft. I go to Chile and they're going to rip. All right, welcome to the episode. You have me, Rob Hazelwood, Marcus Brown, the beautiful dreaded man, and we are talking about rhythm and swing and timing. And cadence. And cadence. Sorry, I couldn't think of the posh word. It's all good. Rhythm, cadence, timing, swing, and working with the boat instead of against it, right? Mm-hmm. All right. I like it. That's let's, the move. Let's, let's get into it. Right. We have we've talked a lot. I don't know what episode this is going to come out at, but I know that we've talked a lot about athletic stance. Very incredibly important. Yep. We've mentioned rhythm a lot, but we haven't really explained it. Yep. So I think today, that's what we're here for. Do we're you want to start or do you want me to start? You, I'll, yeah, I don't know. What do you want? It, dude, it's your call. All right. I'll start. Because okay. you, you're very good at topping off and correcting mistakes. So. I'm not. What? I'm not. But continue. Timing. I believe is equally as important as athletic stance once athletic stance mm -hmm. has been ticked off. Mm -hmm. It's never ticked off. But yep. once we have solid position, your timing is incredibly important to set you on the right path, whether it be free skiing, whether it be course skiing, whether it be short line, long line, amateur, non-amateur, wherever you are on the belt curve. Yep. And I truly think because one, boats are incredibly strong, 450 horsepower is a lot of horses. A lot of horses. So, um, when you are out of rhythm with it, it makes it very, very tough. Yep. If you'd like to see out of rhythm skiing, go look at Miami Pro <laughs> <laughs> and my final performance. Yep. Um, so in how it feels, it happens to us all. Sometimes we got out of rhythm and sometimes we just got to drop a shoulder. Yeah. But anyway, off topic. Yeah. Um, so rhythm is just, it sets your relationship with the boat. It more importantly than anything at the highest level, sets your rhythm with the driver. You're going to get a better pull if you're in good rhythm mm -hmm. and just generally in the correct rhythm, you will be wider, earlier, it's gonna be easier skiing, and we're just gonna have a better time on the water. So I yes. think I'll put it over to you to, how do we do it? Well, so I was gonna backtrack and talk about, um, for people who aren't watching but listening, try to explain it, but talk about the swing set. How many ill-fated analogies have been made, comparisons between slalom skiing and swinging on a swing set? I'm uh, pretty uh, sure the, the video that I did about four years ago, I used a MagSafe charger and swinging it around. That's a good one. Probably should pretty bad. No, but it's great. It's a good analogy and I'm going to bring it up again because it's instructive for this conversation about timing and rhythm and what that actually means behind the boat to me. So if you think about a swing set, you're pushing a child on the swing. Well, let's say you have a child, three-year-old. Has to be a child. Come to grown up. Let's say you have a grown-up that's that's that doesn't know how to operate a swing. Okay, deal. That's Every grown-up knows how to swing on a swing set. But let's say a grown-up who just gets in the swing, they get in the little sling there, and they just, they're just, they don't know what to do. They don't have any way, they have no understanding of how to swing. So somebody has to come along and push them, okay? So you get them going. You, you push them a couple times, you get them swinging, right? Now, if you, they're not swinging very high. If you walk away from them, eventually what's gonna happen? Stop swinging. It's gonna stop swinging. They're, they're gonna, gonna settle off. back at center, or they're gonna fall I mean, off. If an adult doesn't know how to swing a swing, they're probably not they the most fall. balanced individual in the world. But for this analogy, they're gonna settle back at center because there's resistance, because there's air resistance, there's friction at the, at the hinge point. Okay, so my whole point with that is, it takes somebody to come along and push that person to get them to start swinging. That's energy. So it takes energy to swing, right? Now, let's say they come back over, the person hasn't fallen off, they start pushing them again, swinging them, right? When do they push and when do they not push to make that person go higher and higher and higher? You push from, well, you catch at the top. Catch at the top. Depending on how high we're going. Yep. Start pushing. And then accelerate into center line. So basically, simply speaking, kind of push from the start of the downswing yep. 
to kind of like the bottom yeah. of that swing yeah. swing point. If you tried to to push as they started to come back at you, but you try to push, obviously we know that's going to slow them down. Yeah. It's not going to speed them up. So, oh, can I keep but, going on with your analogy because I've got an idea? Yeah. Also, that we'll use down the line. Yeah. Where would the load be the most at that swing? That's a good point. That's a good question. You want to come back to that later? No, we can say it right now. Where would the where would the load? Geez, the downforce. Where would it be the most? So the load felt through the seat of mm -hmm. that person is going to be the most through the bottom. You think it'd be through the bottom, or do you think it'd be? Uh, you're the engineer. Would it not be? Because if if I'm wrong, then this is awkward. Would it not be just after at the moment where the the swing changes from going down to going up? Would it not be just at that point, the bit where you start going up, isn't that going to be the biggest compression, i.e. second yeah. wake area? You, you, or you my glass grasping no, at straws? No, no. So, so we're going to have to go. Or, uh, the answer is I don't know. Mm. My gut tells me that you're probably right. Because if you're going down, well, uh, the reason that I'm using it is because that's exactly work, what it's like in slalom. It's the moment you're starting to work against gravity. So your intuition would say that as you swing right through the bottom of the swing, as a person on a swing set, that just the moment through the bottom, and as you start to get lifted away from the earth again, that that might be the highest load through your seat. Yeah. Um, uh, I can't think of the free body that diagram in my head. I wasn't prepared to answer this. I don't know if that's right. Yeah. I think I think it might. You know be, what? I'm, we're going we're gonna to decide that for well, the sake no, let's of work the through skiing, this, just so people can see the process. Let's work through this. I'm so many things college. Skiing, and, the sake of skiing, you think that um, it's better to think about it in terms of that. I we do, can, yeah. Yeah, we can go in terms of that. But for the moment, I will backtrack and say, usually the highest force you're going to feel on a swing set is when your speed is the highest. Yeah. So then you ask the question, where is your speed the highest? Probably just, again, just after, because that's where it's going to be getting... Center line, moment, if not just after. The moment you pass the directly yeah. below yeah. the swing set, gravity's already slowing you down. But that will be speed. Does that mean the most load? I mean the most G's. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. G's so, is change of speed, right? G's is acceleration. We've gone so far off topic. Let's keep it simple because this is fun. G's, G forces, uh, centrifugal force is due to acceler or due to it's an acceleration. It's due to speed, angular speed, angular momentum. That's highest at the bottom of the swing. Yeah. You're swinging fastest where? At the Probably at the, the bottom. Swing. Yeah. Because just past the bottom, listen. You're going to pill. You're going uphill and gravity's starting to pull you back yeah. inward. That's pretty much the same in slalom. That's what I was kind of saying in terms of you get the most speed, you get you get the most swing and speed, and like you say, you push the swing, but off that second side, if you don't have the correct rhythm, all of that speed at the highest point of load in my fake yeah. physics world. Yeah. Dorian Llewellyn, help us out. He's yeah. a physicist. Yeah. Um, at that point, at that second wake, that's going to be where those cushion forces are coming in. That's and where that's people where get compressed. If your rhythm is incorrect. So, back to rhythm. So that, to me, is, is exactly what we're trying to do with the swing set analogy. Yeah. We're trying to realize that, okay, what does rhythm really mean? Yeah. Bring it back to swing set. It means if you want to accelerate somebody on a swing set, mm -hmm. you push them yeah. to the bottom. You don't push them really past. Yeah. You could, but that will actually send them further. And this gets back to the second point about rhythm. There's an ideal rhythm for the course. Mm -hmm. Ideal rhythm and timing. Mm -hmm. I, I think everybody agrees. Yeah. Like you could overswing. Yeah. And people do overswing. Mm -hmm. And they overswing by doing what you just said. Yeah. They push beyond that low point on the swing set and they start to try to push somebody even higher. Yeah. They pull beyond that, that point that they need to stop pulling. Yeah. Where suddenly the forces get so great through the feet 
and through the, the rope yeah. that you get that huge inside out motion or you get that huge crushing yeah. force. And I think in terms of, I agree 100%, but I would also add that if your rhythm is off, so yes, if you're trying to pull too hard at the second weight, but if your rhythm is off, we just saw a video today that I showed you, um, no names named, but very, very aggressive into first weight, super slow-mo video, and you can see his head start to shake before first weight. Yeah. If your head is shaking before first weight, mine does it sometimes, um, and you've gone so hard there, all that's gonna happen as you hit second weight is you're just gonna get ripped out. And that's yeah. maybe not even the fact that you've done, you're, if you're so focused on second weight, you can forget to look earlier. Yeah. So if you're getting crushed way early and putting in so much load that you can't hold and then you're getting, the, the outcome is dodgy at the second side, sometimes it's worth looking earlier, you know? But to rhythm, back to rhythm, to your point, I think one thing that can simplify the approach for skiers of all ability levels mm -hmm. is what you said um, in a previous podcast, basically your key is to build into the first wake. Yeah. To build um, with, with the right stance, yeah. to, to build with your, your keys, but to build into the first yeah. wake. And that's, to some rhythm for me, if you can do that, you're not fighting the boat. Mm -hmm. You're working at the right time with the boat, mm -hmm. and then you're receiving that energy on the way outbound from the boat. Yeah. And I think that's, that's rhythm, mm -hmm. that's doing things at the right time. Timing, to me, or cadence, mm -hmm. is more about like knowing how to feel when it's time to move back in behind the boat mm -hmm. so that you don't rush a turn, you don't wait too long, you can have that that kind of acute awareness of where's the where's the boat? Yeah. Where am I? Am I still advancing or am I just starting to fall back on the boat? So you know when to make your move back inside yeah. without skiing into loose rope or without getting pulled to the inside, falling on your ear. Where I'd be interested to see if you agree in terms of cadence and timing is do you feel like there was a point where everyone was so insanely focused? Because it's like any sport, there's and it's such a small sport, so it spreads quick. There's like big trends that go through yeah. and I think there was a massive trend about being patient a massive massive trend about finish of the turn we've talked about it a little bit earlier about being patient through the finish of the turn patient 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 efficient 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 be easy hide from the boat don't pull too hard you don't want to spike the zero off and do you think yes correct it is all correct none of it is wrong nothing in skiing is wrong but do you think that then that was taken way too far because I find a lot of myself saying Yes, you don't want to load early, you don't want to lean early, but in terms of cadence and timing of your movement, not getting too patient, making sure that you're still moving through the finish of the turn. You're not stood there. I see certain people stand there and wait for their ski to come through, and it's like, oh, they told me to be patient, so I, I'm, I'm trying to be as patient as I can, but you get to first wake and the ski's not around, they've got a ton of slack, and they're just skiing straight to the boy. Yeah. And that's why I'm interested to... I think I think you're exactly right. Yeah. I think the patience thing, being, oh, I'm not being patient enough. I honestly, I don't I think, like the word. I don't like the word. I don't like the implications. I think it's um, it's a very bad cue yeah. for a lot of people. And I think it can be for if someone's going like and and go all right, chill. Yes, but but to your point, I think I don't know if we're gonna see 100 percent eye to eye mm -hmm. on this because I feel like a lot of where the patient talk comes from has been, to your point, people uh, trying to snatch the handle, yeah. trying to kind of rotate all at once yeah. at the backside of the buoy and, and almost overload the back of the ski, yeah. which sounds like it's against what I was preaching a couple months ago, but 
they overload the back of the ski and stay there. Yeah. And instantly at the backside of the buoy, the ski's pointed 90, their weight's back, they're getting the pulled forward, the load's high, the load's spiked instantly. Mm -hmm. You you basically got caught in a caught red-handed with mm -hmm. your hand in the cookie mm -hmm. jar. You got caught in a position that wasn't um, sustainable as soon as the boat started to be able to see you. Yeah. And because your cadence if is off, you're then time, your, your rhythm off. is off. Yeah. It's you guys, you guys are able to, so, so then the fix is, well, you gotta be more patient. And then what the skier does is basically nothing. Stand there. They do, they just stand there. So the, the, the fix for that or some, some things that I would say about that. Number one, usually when, when people say be patient, it's about, uh, they haven't come into the buoy properly stacked. Mm -hmm. You know, you say you, you take that breath in, your chest fills up, you kind of feel light, you're kind of balanced over your ski, mm -hmm. you do a really good job of that, one of the best in the world. Um, that ensures that you're in a good position into Apex mm -hmm. to therefore then move better out, of, out yeah. of the buoy with the boat, in time with the boat. Most people come in back, neutral to back, they don't have a move to make. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, um, if you do what you do, what good skiers do, you come in in a better position, it allows you to start the tail to smear, this is yeah. my thought, okay. allows you to start the tail smearing sooner so that you get the rotation done sooner yeah. and you kill some down course speed sooner. Yeah. And what happens, two things. Number one, you get you get rotated, but you get balanced on the ski. Mm -hmm. And when the ropes load comes, it comes on smoother. You end up, the boat pulls you into the right spot on the ski yeah. before you ever have the ski pointing at 90. Yeah. And that's and that's the, yeah, that's the one and, for me. And then you stay in rhythm. Yeah, and I think where you say as a as a slight, slight rabbit hole maybe to the yeah. one um, would be that all of that that you just said I one hundred percent agree with in terms of pre boy and turn and rotation, um, and I think a lot of it is yes that's what's happening. But I think a lot of that is solved by that move early, by that move yeah. into wake off second side then the rhythm, and then if you can make that key obviously if you're stood back you're gonna have to stand slightly forward like you said in the other podcast yeah. Ben move your ankle, push the knees forward, yeah. feel your weight come over center. And then I feel like if your rhythm is right up to then, a lot of that happens naturally. And for me, where- I think if people have the muscle memory, yes, or if they have true. the propensity for that move. True. I think a lot of people That's, that, have learned, that could be true, yeah. learned a bad move. And then now they're like, okay, well, you don't want me to do my bad move. So then I just wait. And then- That could be very true. Yeah, it's but, that muscle. Yeah, no, it's that, you're correct. Yeah, it's that move. But it all circles back to you know, timing, rhythm, cadence, it all circles back to having the ability to number one, feel or sense or be able to be aware of where you are in relationship to the boat, mm -hmm. I think. I think so, I think. So that then you can make an informed decision on how to move at based on wherever you are in the mm -hmm. course. Are you through the second side and moving outbound? Are you moving into the first wake? Are you still advancing on the boat, but the buoy's there and you wanna turn? You know, we can't do that. You got to learn coping skills or you have to wait to turn in that situation. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's these things that, these basic rules that we probably should dig in deeper based on beginner, intermediate, advanced in another episode. Because mm -hmm. I feel like now that we're talking about it, there's a lot to unpack here. There is a lot. And that's kind of where I feel it's tough as a, as a again, your bell curve, your, your most of that in the middle. Yeah. Is it necessary to go deep into the fact of knowing where you, the boat is, knowing where everything is, or is it more a matter of making sure that your movements are in time with your, with everything together? I see a lot of times, and it's quite a simple fix in one way, a lot of times, say at the finish of the turn, 
I see some people pushing the handle away from them when they're trying to go back this way. Yeah. I see them coming off second side and the arm goes out before they've even moved away. If yeah. you can just kind of, and if you're on the video, like if you can connect your move here, away, and back together, mm -hmm. I feel like that to me is the most important part of cadence and really making sure that your movements match your timing, your movements sure. match your rhythm, your your position, you know what I mean? I think there's two parts to what you're talking about or what we're talking about. Yeah. You've identified kind of the, um, the closed system, yeah. like the internal kind of cadence yeah. and rhythm, um, like anatomical, what do you do with your body? Yeah. And then there's also the, the system yeah. cadence. And what's, where's your body relative to the boat? Yeah. Um, I think those two obviously play together yeah, and they're very in, in integral or tied together. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think people need to cognitively be like, okay, where am I on the boat? Am I still there? No, it's, no, it's more like, like when I was saying with arms and arm tension, mm -hmm. just developing an awareness. Yeah. Is developing this... an awareness visually, an awareness sensationally. Like, is there still tension in the rope? Can mm -hmm. I, can I extend? Can I make my rhythmic cadence? Can I move back? Is, if I move back in now, am I still advancing on the boat? Yeah. Those things are, are more subtle. Some people are going to have a great sense uh, awareness of that. Some people are going to have to work on it, but that's the first step. To unpack that slightly, because I like I'd like if you're watching this and and you have a question, obviously you can't answer it. So, would you say that that is in slightly different way of saying it? When to pull, when not to pull, when to release, when? So you're essentially saying yeah. be aware of where you are in yes. the course. Is yes. so through finish of the turn is not the time to get on your shoulder and lean. Instantaneous lean, through, no, at the back side of the booty. Through after second whitewash is not the time to double down and pull. So no. that's kind of a, what you're it's, saying, yeah, okay. Yeah. Exactly, because go back to the swing analogy. All we're trying to do is, slalom's slightly more complex, but with the swing analogy, what we've done is we made it, we, we make it simple. People know intuitively when to push somebody on the swing. Yeah. If they want to make them go higher or they want to keep them going the same rate, once you get to the height, the swing height yeah. you want somebody at, then what do you do? Yeah. Then you just, every time they come by and they're on their way down, you just give them a little tap. Yeah. Just a little tap. So the point is, it should be quite simple. Yeah. Um, and the swing analogy helps some people kind of conceptualize yeah. when you want to put energy into the system, meaning yeah. pull, and when and you, you can do it. We can, because this was the, this helped a lot of people earlier, is you can literally just see it when you take something like this. So we'll do it on this camera, because why not? We'll do it on this camera. I can't even see that camera. Mm -hmm. So when you swing, think of this as you on the boat. It's literally just a, you can see it in that fashion. It's a swing, the speed is through the bottom. It's yep. your acceleration is at the slowest here. And if you, and if you have that thing- and It's just, awkward if you listen at this point. You just yeah. maybe listen Let's and dangle five seconds. And if you dangle it, and then you want to get it going, you need to pull it back and let it go, and then slightly give it a push on the down every yeah. time, and that'll keep it going. Yeah. Or you can- Pull from it. And that's yeah. like, this is like the, 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 pull of, the pull of the boat. But for me, just to be able to watch that as a visual and go, all right, this is where I'm swinging the slowest. And then my acceleration is, is gradual. It's not hit hard, pull up here. It's quick through this stage, fast through this stage. Your edge change isn't going to slow you down straight away. Nope. And then we take that time as we ride up on the boat up here. That's the time that you can swing and go up and then your speed will pass. And I think we should maybe do a, uh, something at some point on taking the longest path that you can in the course. Yeah. Because I feel sure. like we can touch on it like quick 10 seconds now. It'll, if you take the longest path through the course, essentially finish at the yeah. backside of the boy and the, the quickest you can get across the second side, yep. 
gives you more time before the board to shut down in a very simple way. There's problems with this. You can be too early. You can do things wrong. You can overload. And we'll talk about that in a future episode. I'd say, okay, I'll, I'll challenge that. I don't think you can be, yes, you can be too early. It's really hard for 90% of skiers to be too early. Yeah. It's easy to be too wide or get too, too high wide. on the boat. I, it's it, that, that's more likely, but I do. I so I see what you're saying. Taking the I'm just saying there, there is there is. It's yeah. not as simple as that. There's no. Left, right, wherever you want to be, early, late. There is problems with that, but progressively getting building to the first wake as quick as you can. Mm-hmm. Not as hard of a lean, but mm-hmm. working hard for it, like you said in previous podcasts. I think is the, that's the that's the key. Working with the boat there yeah. allows you to do everything else that you're talking about. Yeah. Take that long path before yeah. each buoy, gives you time to execute yeah. how you want to. Like that. We'll do a podcast on that. We will. I want to talk about that. Yeah, I want to unpack we, that we should. Hey, so, Matt, are we cleared? Are we, yeah, I mean. I feel like that's the. I mean, cadence is pretty simple. Timing's pretty yeah. simple, rhythm. Yeah, I think but, at the, just to like conclude, because I love Okay, problems, I, yeah. problems. Yeah, oh, problems. Some, some, some telltale signs that you aren't in rhythm with the boat. If you, it's just, I'm just spitballing. If you feel like. Um, my, like big, my first one would be if you feel like you're hitting second wake wrong. If you feel like you're... If, you're like, if you feel second wake really hard, yeah. if it feels like the wake's really hard. If you feel like you can't hold your edge through second wake or wakes. Yeah. Because no matter how big those wakes are, you have to be on your edge or carrying speed through them. Yep. If you feel like you've gone too hard early and that you can't physically hold through wakes, dip, whatever it is, yep. no matter where you are down the line, then you've gone too hard early, you're not in a position to hold it. Or same, similar, if you feel like after your cut, you are getting pulled to the inside yeah. very quickly. Yeah, so, yeah, That could be an indication that you aren't in sync with the boat. Yeah, and you're at Mach 10 at the buoy when realistically that should be at slowest point. There's there's a few yeah. telltale signs. If you're turning into slack, yeah, you're obviously not can be one of the reasons. in rhythm. Yeah, and timing so is just watch a video. I feel like watch a video and go... Watch your own skiing. Put this versus someone who's good and then go, all right. Or send a video to Rob or I and on give GIPCO. Um, but watch a, way watch get, a video, make sure, make sure we know we, if you watch this, you pro- or listen to this, you probably watch enough skiing to know what good skiing should look like. So look at the timing, look at the rhythm. Does it look like your handles going this way when you should be going that way? Does it look like things are working together? You know, in general, I would say last thought jerky movements, mm-hmm. like instantaneous handle moves, mm-hmm. instantaneous shoulder drops, instantaneous compressions. Mm-hmm are all signs that you're not skiing rhythmically yeah. and you're not in time with the boat. And you can uh, get away with some of them, smooth, but they will get you at some yeah, point. But smoother, more organic, yeah. more um, progressive moves tend to lend themselves to finding rhythm or yeah. meaning that you are in rhythm. 100%. I like that. I think that's that's the conclusion. Okay, find guys. Find rhythm, find timing. Timing rhythm with Rob Hazelwood. I'm Marcus Brown. Like it's been FPM Podcast. Uh, we're going to do this again. Shameless plug. If you like this podcast, you want to support us. One easy way is to go to blowpointmethod.com. We've got girls tees. We've got guys shirts. We've got hats. We've got different color shirts. Oh, what is going Check on there? Check this out. Ooh, we, we flipped up. That's we one shirt that Rob has, but hey, look at the hat. Look at the pretty hat. sharp. Fits me well. We have new shirts. Tiny logos. You can wear these things to dinner. Get away with it for sure. Nice logo on the back. Hit us a DM, uh, comments down below if you want to tell us something, good or bad. Otherwise, if you want to give us ideas on what we should be talking about next time, um, reach out to Rob. Like I said, GiveGo, it's a great platform. Check it out. Uh, We offer it with the method as a member. 
but you can also do it a la carte. We'll be looking forward to the next podcast and seeing you guys back here, same time, same place, whenever that is.